0: Hello and welcome to another video and podcast from fantasyfootballscout.co.uk my name is david and today i'm joined by mark once again from the editorial department of fantasy football scout as we continue to keep an eye on the preseason matches which is telling us a lot about how teams are going to set up for game week one isn't it mark how have you been doing the past few days tracking all these goings on in america and all around the world
1: yes and um, well luckily uh, been doing the few the, the roundup articles for Scouts, so some of it is fresh in the memory. Um, yeah, it, it's intensifying now. It's uh, the, the part of preseason where teams are seriously picking strong lineups, and there's slightly less of the halftime turnarounds. So, yeah, it's it, it's kicking in. Some questions are starting to be answered, some more questions are emerging. It's an exciting time. Two weeks left.
0: Yeah, I have to say, this is normally the time when my uh, draft starts to fluctuate the most. And uh, those of you who have been following videos closely will know that a few uh, goings on in the Man United defence have all of a sudden put me in a situation where I now have Salah in my team somehow. Uh, Briefly, that may change. You know, it's all change everywhere because we're seeing uh, things we thought we knew about certain teams in terms of how they set up change. And then that means different things for our teams as well. Have you been tinkering yourself with your team as these games have been going past?
1: Yeah, it's that awful stage of overthinking where the initial draft was probably the best one but you see uh certain players that I'm sure will come to later and uh, you start thinking and thinking again and all of a sudden the team's different and it's to the last thing we
0: need now is more options I think <laughs> so that age-old um stock line in a movie when someone goes i've been thinking and then someone else goes oh that sounds dangerous that is basically preparing for game week one isn't it so yeah that's that's the situation we we find ourselves in well, there's a lot to get through. And before we jump right in, it's an opportunity for me to remind you guys that if you haven't already sorted out your fantasy football scout membership for the start of the new season, now is the time to do that because you can save up to 30% on those preseason prices and included within that, of course, is access to the preseason minute spreadsheet. A lot of the information we're going to go through in this video sort of scratches the surface of the data that's being accumulated there. If you want that in full, make sure your membership sorted and head to the preseason uh, guide. And that's where you'll find the preseason minutes tracker, which will be able to uh, tell you even more information than we'll be able to. today so uh, yeah head over to the site and get that sorted in time right let's get started then on the rest of what we're going to talk about today and we're going to go chronologically this time rather than sort of we loosely went by team the last time we did one of these videos this time we're going to go chronologically because there's just there's just so much stuff every day and it was just easier to prepare for this just by just blocking it off and day by day by day and we're actually going to start with a couple of games that we briefly alluded to last time because uh, when we were speaking on that particular day we knew about some of the results we didn't really know too much information about the lineups and things like that um and, and now we do uh, so let's start with Aston Villa Uh, in their 3-0 draw with Newcastle uh, a few days ago now. Um, We got uh, two goals for Buendia, which was quite exciting. We saw Anderson do quite well for Newcastle. Um, We also saw some interesting things with Newcastle's defence. We saw some interesting things with Aston Villa's defence. What what stood out for you most in this game, Mark?
1: Um, Yeah, just the thought of Buendia... Uh, he's having an, an impressive preseason, And it, if, if Henry decides to go for the sort of a two-man strike force again, could Wendia have out-of-position potential? But uh, I think when we cover the other Aston Villa friendly, there's another name in line for that. <laughs> so, That's true. Um, from a Newcastle perspective, yeah, Elliot Anderson yeah, starred once again but from an FPL perspective he is i think a 4.5 million midfielder but he's quite a bit down the pecking order it would be great if um if he had a breakout campaign but he's he's not going to get in that initial lineup i don't think unless he scores a hat trick in every match from from now until the start so um it was a weird wing back trial for Eddie Howe. um we haven't at all Newcastle haven't at all used that last season. It was always a four-man defence. And sure enough, it was quickly 2-0 down the Villa. So I think we can maybe uh, scratch that one off. Uh, now's definitely the time to sort of fail experiments. Don't want to mm-hmm. do that once the season's underway. So, uh, yeah, mostly that. And when when the formation went back to normal, sure enough, got it back to another thriller in the summer
0: series yeah a thriller with Villa absolutely um Mm. Trippier was involved as a right-sided centre-back I think in that wing-back system which has made some people nervous who are still interested in him but as you say it's probably unlikely that system is going to get used uh too extensively this season for me. The biggest uh, thing I'm keeping an eye on actually is the Aston Villa defence because uh, people who've been uh, keeping an eye on our videos and podcasts this year will will know that I'm big on the Villa and Palace rotation. And, you know, people have looked at Moreno as well. Um, And there's just a few little updates that we got uh, from Emery um, on Moreno, for example, who, um, according to the quote, said uh, Moreno had surgery and he's going to be ready at the end of August or the beginning of September. Um, And uh, some updates on Jacob Ramsey as well. So, um, unlikely to see Moreno involved at the start of the campaign is what we're being told. Um, In terms of the other parts of the defence, what we saw in this game, and we are going to come back to Villa, um, in a few days' time, in inverted comments hopefully a few minutes' time for you uh, watching or listening at home, uh, we saw uh, Torres. Um, and Carlos used the substitutes in this Newcastle game with Konzat and Mings being the ones who started the game and uh, what we heard from memory was that Torres is giving us defensively and offensively um, and the build-up was very important last uh, year and I want to improve in it we face the season with four centre-backs really high level centre-backs because I think concert and Mings played very well last year they were amazing Carlos is also going to be very important next year and Torres is adding a new quality as a centre-back and trying to be strong uh, and then he goes on to talk about building them up to be ready for the start of the so unfortunately didn't really get too much information about who's definitely starting uh, in that game there's another Aston Villa game coming up so stay tuned uh, it's not like we're on TV and you might change the channel and watch bargain hunt whilst this is on but you know just in case that was on your mind stay tuned because we are going to come back to this subject with villa when we get to their their next game uh let's have a look at brentford now because been a lot of interest in their attacking assets and uh, I actually conveniently found a picture of uh, Thomas Frank uh, holding Vissa's hand whilst looking somewhat disappointed at Umbermo which sort of feels like the shift we've seen in fantasy uh, community of late uh, where yeah it is Vissa that seems to be getting uh, more love and yeah got himself a goal against Fulham um, arguably uh, more involved in the attack is what we're seeing than Burmo. Yes um, I mean
1: first of all I think was it Neil who put Visser in his draft on the on uh, video? Of- he,
0: he may have done. I've got him in mind. We both have it the is. same colour hair, sort of. We're both gingers. so. Uh,
1: well, I think, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he did. It was uh, rhetorical, I guess. But, um, yeah, and and it is kind of tempting now. Even if it's just saving that half a million, it's not even just that anymore. It's the fact that Visser is having the better preseason and, and Bremo might have penalties but um, it's not like Brentford are playing 3-5-2 five, five, all the time when he might be up front. He, he seems to be 4-3-3 three, three on the wing. Um, He'd still be a good asset, but for those managers who like 3-4-3 three, three, and then will insist on going 3-4-3, three, three, having a 6 million forward like this could be really beneficial. And as I say, it's only half a million, but that, could enable something brilliant elsewhere if you wanted to squeeze in Trent, Alexander Arnold, something like that. So he's, his numbers are really good. They've both got fantastic numbers in the games without Ivan Tony last season, but uh, it was only a five-match sample size. So between now and January, what's the story there? We'll find out. But every summer it feels like there's a much-hyped Pre-season asset in FPL who flops, and uh, you know, could it be M- Mbumo? Uh Maybe not, but Visser is certainly a-, a good alternative. I think.
0: Mm. Lots of people uh, remember Nev, um, not ne- not Neves, Neto at Wolves last season, who famously didn't do particularly well. He scored in a in a pre-season game the other day, and had everybody sort of having sort of like fever nightmares, flashbacks to like,
1: oh no, not here he again. You tended to get Neto?
0: Absolutely not, no. Neither uh-huh. of them. <laughs> there's two there's two of them now like oh my god there's two of them um but no uh it, Obama could maybe be that but yeah with with Vista you've got that alternative and it's nice to see him having a good preseason uh the other thing that we have started to see with Brentford obviously is a fleck is playing so uh the aptly named uh, fleck Republic which of course uh, was your creation mark is uh very much coming into its independence it's uh emerging from the shadow of Slovakia, and yeah here we go so um, Rea still hasn't left yet. Yet, but the quote we've got from thomas frank is yes he could potentially leave we know it's been the talk of the town the last three months or so that could happen so that's the latest situation are you still feeling pretty cozy in the fleck republic um
1: uh, that initial draft on launch they did have fleck and and, and we sort of bonded over that didn't we? But, <laughs> um i'm actually off him now because oh, no. because per- firstly because of Onana, but also yeah, I don't know, like, well, first of all, one of them, he hasn't been that, it doesn't sound like he's been that convincing in goals so far, like flapping at a few crosses and, and some of the goals that have gone in and stuff, but uh, very proud of the Fleck Republic <laughs> creation, but currently not living there.
0: Oh no! He's relocated to a different dynasty. I'm, I'm, I'm very upset. I'm very upset. Well, I mean, I you make some good points, and I was actually going to bring them up because in the scout reports, what we can see is that, uh, ironically enough, Brentford did concede two long-range goals, which is strange in a way because we've been lauding them as this team that was limiting shots to long distance and not conceding them, and that was what's helping uh, the goalkeeper bonus. Uh, And yeah, um, maybe could have done better, uh, Flecken for some of the goals. Although comparisons were made with the fact that near the beginning uh Rhea was the same so maybe he just needs a little bit of time to uh settle but yeah that's that's the latest on on Brentford let's move to uh, Liverpool now and uh, we're only really going to we're only really going to spend some time um with Liverpool briefly because last time we talked about um them facing Grothaforth i think i pronounced that correctly this time i did google it if i've got it wrong blame whoever it is I, we, we read it out to me uh but we knew it was for all uh but we didn't know completely the details of like who got the goals and things like that. Uh, and so what we had was Diaz, two goals for Darwin and one goal for Salah. Assist for Trent, uh, two for Salah and one for Darwin. So everybody getting involved. You know, we, talk, we kind of briefly talked about these guys last time, but do we need to see more games from Liverpool against higher opposition before getting too comfortable with the Liverpool attacker?
1: Yeah, they're, just, they're all getting involved, which is... I guess, good for for Liverpool and for Klopp, but it's it's not helping us decide on a Salah alternative. You know, if you, if you don't want Salah in your team but are still very nervous about some of those early fixtures, then one way to navigate it would maybe be to get one of the cheaper attackers, but you just don't know who it's going to be because they're all in form. And, uh, yeah, Jota and Gakpo scored in their first... Match the four-two against Carlisle, um. So it's so hard to call, and I don't know if if you were to
0: pick the two starters alongside Salah, who, who would you say? Well, yeah, exactly. I have no idea. <laughs> I got, I got no idea really. I think what we got to see is is what are those other games are. and I was just pulling them up now because they are against teams that are just more likely to test their ability. Uh, I'm pretty sure they've got Bayern Munich to come, uh, Leicester, uh, and then SV Darmstadt as well. So yeah and oh <laughs> i made the mistake last time of acting as if uh, that game being played in preston was somehow less glamorous and then i had someone come along in the comments and tell me all about a fantastic time she had watching uh like a friendly uh at deepdale and it was like 20 quid and it was like amazing so apologies to preston on 10th hands for you know speaking derogatorily about your stadium apparently you put on a really good fan experience so yeah uh, i do apologize um but let's move on to a sta- let's move on to a stadium that definitely is less glamorous and I think they know it because they've got some work to do on it and that's why they're not playing in game week two uh, and that is Luton uh, so the latest that we've got on them most recent match was a one-all draw with Ipswich Town uh, and we saw Carlton Morris was on penalties in that one so 5.5 million attempted by him yet I mean blank game week notwithstanding no uh,
1: not really uh just none of the the only Luton assets that would appeal are the now couple of million defender options because uh, Kabore has signed as well but uh, that would just be to um, test out the bench and further up not really I, I think the final nail in the coffin was was blank game week two and there was a story the other day saying that they've been granted permission to not have under soil heating and then as soon as I said on Twitter oh Maybe they'll have a few blank game weeks. Um, there was a reply saying, "Well, actually, we haven't had any calls off because of that." So, um, so maybe that was just bad guesswork. But Carl <laughs> Morris, yeah, penalties. Maybe I think he scored twenty times for Luton last season. But their promotion was largely built on s- solid defence. Their, their attacking numbers were okay. They were like in the top half, but they weren't like amongst the best. So, um, they're certainly the underdogs going into the season and will happily let other people uh, punt on their players first.
0: Yeah, and that seems the way to go. I think that they are definitely going to be bench fodder for now. I've got Nakamba in my team. Uh, he didn't play in this game, although we're hearing you know, murmurings that there's an injury there, which is uh, just great. That's marvellous, you could say. Um, then elsewhere, Bell. Yeah, just Mark is just like face palming very very hard Whatever he does these videos with me i do apologize um well you know that does ring a bell um <laughs> sorry <laughs> um because he was well, he didn't start either but because uh, the key takeaway here really is that it was mads anderson that played 90 minutes because when he came in there were suggestions that he could take bell's space in that back three because uh, i mean you know it's all well and good going for a four million luton defender but you do need to get the right one um the, the new one obviously looks very exciting but you know and you'd expect him to go in, but he would be displacing someone who did very well for the last year in Alfie Dougie, if I pronounce that correctly, and got that positionally correct as well. Um Anderson playing ninety minutes you know, could potentially be helpful. Yeah. Um and you've also got I was trying to
1: think of a pun for kabori to to follow up your two, but uh, <laughs> I guess that's Amore, that's kabori Um but yeah, you're right. It's uh the Alfie Doty is sort of, he's a good set piece. Um, he's probably, he'd be a decent source for assists, but I think costing him 4.5 rather than 4. Um, I don't think many people are going to buy a 4.5 Lewton defender.
0: Oh, not from the hatters i don't think but you've mentioned set pieces so i'm going to take us to another club with a very unglamorous stadium sorry cherries fans you famously have a very small one um so that's that's the link there uh bournemouth now not really that interested in their assets to be honest they beat southampton 3-2 so you know well done i guess but um the main talking point here is that they did not look very good from set pieces they conceded two goals from set plays um and Famously, they are facing Liverpool in game week two when uh, the master of dead ball situations in Trent Alexander Arnold is going to is going to host them uh, at Anfield. And we have got a quote here from Andoni Iriola saying, "I think it was a good game, even with the mistakes we had, because we also had some mistakes, especially the two goals that we conceded from set pieces. Overall, I'm really happy. The players were hard, blah blah blah. But you know, his big concern is the set pieces, and already that's." The Trent debate has actually intensified in the last couple of days because those of us who were in the Trent camp took him out to see what would happen. And then everyone was like, oh, wow, okay, like spending spree. And a lot of people feel like the team is better. But then also, how do you get to Trent if he explodes? And if Bournemouth are looking terrible from set pieces, could he explode in game week two?
1: Yeah, I mean, as we discussed with Liverpool a few minutes ago, in terms of their actual defence and clean sheets, I wouldn't really... Trust Liverpool's backline, um, and even though Trent is mostly about his attack potential, at the bottom line, if 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 you don't back them to keep clean sheets, then should they be should they be trusted? I don't know, but yeah, he could certainly have a very fruitful time against the Cherries. Um,
0: hey, there we go. <laughs>
1: sorry, I don't know. so bad. Um. He's, yeah, and Trent was playing in centre midfield for Liverpool's friendlies as well. Although that does seem like it's just because they're lacking in bodies in that position right now. I'm not sure Klopp intends to actually start him in centre midfield. It's more sort of inverted right back again. So hopefully the final friendlies for Liverpool can clarify that. Uh, yeah, it's it was nine it was nine nil in last season's equivalent game Um bournemouth have improved a lot since then though so uh, i think subconsciously we're thinking it's going to be a big liverpool win but it might not be and you don't want to invest too much on one match like if, if you're picking trent or salah purely because of that game week two match then uh it's set up to backfire isn't it hmm.
0: Well, the result may well still go in Liverpool's way if they can win on set pieces. But as you say, is that enough to impact the, your decision for the rest of the first six to ten game weeks? I think that's fair. In open play, though, I do think this game could be not necessarily closer than people think, but I do just think that Bournemouth are going to surprise some people this year if this new manager could instil that new style. Uh, he's a big fan of, of like a high press uh, and also his team is also very good at sort of like beating the press as well, the teams that he's worked with in the past. And, you know, that could make uh, Liverpool harder for them to, to put their stamp on the game, uh, potentially. And then also maybe Liverpool's high press, if he can get his Bournemouth team working around that with the same uh, way that he had his, his previous teams working like that, could surprise people. So, yeah, I know what you mean. I wouldn't bank too much uh, on that particular game. I'm just going to oh, quickly yeah. round up a couple of other matches that I, I, I couldn't be bothered to find a slide for because no offence to the teams coming up, but you're really not relevant enough to the fantasy premier league debate and then we're gonna talk about Man City. So um first things first, Bolton Wanderers nil, Everton nil. Um which is, you know that's exciting, isn't it? I mean Calvert Lewin's not really fit. Uh so yeah, not really interested there. We talked about Ashley Young last time, played out of position but he's now at left back and drawing 0-0 with with Bolton is, is not great. Uh, Burnley beat Benfica 2-0, which is impressive. Uh, we've had um, Muric come back into the team um, and actually play really well after Trafford did well as well. So, you know, not too sure who the goal is going to be there. But was anyone really uh, interested? Not really. So that's the reason why, you know, I will applaud Burnley for the 2-0 win. But actually, it doesn't really mean anything for fantasy managers. Uh, Wolves beat Porto 1-0. Um, I hadn't even realised that the Doherty's back. I was on annual leave when that went through, and I've only just found out myself. He's back as a 4.5 million defender, but he was pretty much just a right back rather than a wing back. Uh, Neto was involved, and Neto scored, and then we promptly shut off that piece of memory from our brains. And I'm going to close that tab because I don't want to look at it anymore. And I'm going to take us to Man City that I do want to we'll- talk about. <laughs>
1: I think after Neto, I think we were Leon Bailey goal away from meltdown (laughs) because it was both of them last year.
0: It was. It was. Well, I mean, those of you who watched uh, the new series, we've got Deadline Dilemmas with uh, Praz and Rich. Honestly, looking at the midfields that they fielded, it's just incredible that 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 was something that felt normal at the start of last season to have Bailey uh, or Neto, for example. So thankfully, we're not in that situation anymore. Um, So, yeah. Let's 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 move on before we, as you say, have a meltdown. And let's talk about Man City. They um, beat uh, Bayern Munich two one. Uh, we got goals from McAtee and Laporte, assists from Alvarez and Foden. Uh, anything uh, leap out from this game uh, for you, um, John Stone? Still playing an advanced role as well.
1: Yeah, Stones was Stones was there. Um, Ake Nathan Ake seemingly hurt his leg sort of came off a bit earlier all, all the 10 outfielders were, were replaced but Ake was a bit earlier but peps already said that it was a precautionary decision so uh, that's nothing to worry about foden seemed to be deployed from center mid rather than right wing but then kevin de bruyne was an unused sub so any, any sort of thoughts that that Champions League final injury might keep De Bruyne out for the start and and that'd be good for Ford and well he's in the match day squad already, so that sort of uh makes you think De Bruyne should be fine for the first weekend. And Ford, and they have sold Mares, but they could easily put Bernardo there or uh, Alvarez. So it, it brings back the worries for and again. McAtee, four point five, yeah it's it could be a bad thing from an FPL perspective because he scored nine times for Sheffield United and if if he moved to another club in his transfer window, he could be an interesting 4.5 mid. but if he's scoring for City against Bayern, <laughs> Pep might keep him.
0: <laughs> Very annoying. So, we... we, we, oh, we, we, we what we want is for these youthful products to not have a successful preseason, stop being so impressive, be bad enough that the manager wants to loan you out. That's what we want to see.
1: Completely that. And <laughs> uh, Selfishly, McAtee decided to score. So that wasn't great. And um, e- Edison and the FPL community loves Edison, as we know, yeah. Um the equalizer wasn't great. From his perspective, he sort of, he saved it, but it was pretty weak. And then it spilled. And then uh the buying player
0: equalized so same old yep same old same old with edison very annoying well i don't think we're going to see much investment in him this year thankfully with some of the other defenders around him being a bit more reliable for starts maybe that's uh, the direction that people are going to go in we're still sort of waiting for man city's preseason to fully kick into situations where we're not seeing the whole team replace the half time so it's definitely one to keep an eye on de bruyne of course as well um Gundogan leaving maybe allows uh, a central midfield slot for Foden to slot into, but we've seen Alvarez deployed there as well. So again, we've, we still have lots of questions that we need answered uh, about uh, Man City. Uh, but they're not the only club. We've also got Spurs, where we have a lot of questions unanswered, largely related to Mr Harry Kane. But if he does leave, we did see a hat-trick from one Richarlison. So does that make you think?
1: That's the bandwagon. <laughs> that's, uh, that's sort of... That perfectly sums up what stage of preseason we're in. <laughs> because it was unthinkable three weeks ago when the game launched. And now cause we're thinking and we're overthinking and oh well if Kane leaves, maybe Richarlison gets played up front, hat trick about seven million pound midfielder. Um sort of had to quickly think about something else, really. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean if 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 the cane sale drags on a bit longer, close to the first match of the season, they might not have a replacement in time, certainly not integrated in the squad. So for the first few weeks, it could be Richarlison up front. Um, so it's, it's not the worst su- suggestion, but it yeah. is based on 45 minutes against the Lion City sailors. So
0: the lion city sailors do sound like a fictional team from some sort of feel good American movie about Mm -hmm. soccer. you know, um, a bit like cats and dogs. I don't know if you ever watched that. It's a Jeff Goldblum film that came out about 20 years ago and they go to some exhibition match between Chad and Ecuador or something. And then it's a, front for something and it's not actually a real match and the cats kidnapped the family or whatever um not that i remember a specific detail but you know the, the point is is that it just the whole thing feels just really fake and really silly and that no offense lion city sailors that's what that sounds like and spurs also finally won a trophy i don't know if you saw that whatever tournament that was yeah. they got to lift the, the tiger, trophy the tiger cup
1: now that that could convince kane to stay <laughs> yes yeah, he's got some could. silverware <laughs> um, finally you know, it could be the start of a, a great new era but uh Chances are it might not quite be enough. Lion City Sailors, did you ever watch the Hurricanes as a kid?
0: Uh, I did not, I'm afraid. Oh, that was like
1: an ITV sort of uh, animated thing. It sounds like that as well. You still have that. Great theme tune. Um,
0: <laughs> but you, so your, yeah, your point is, is, is really that he's done this against a team. that doesn't really matter, does it? In many respects. We've got to see him do it against better opposition.
1: It's true. Although they did go 1-0 up. But... Um, which, again, doesn't really boost their defensive prospects. They had poro at right back and Destiny Udogi, Um, if, if that's the pronunciation, at left back. Um, now, Destiny, because he's only 4.5, is interested. He certainly belongs in the the debate about who the best 4.5 defender is. But as we were saying with Trent and all that earlier, if, uh, if they're not keeping clean sheets and there's no faith in clean sheets, then... Do, do, do you really go for the guy when teams like Aston Villa are genuinely good in defence and have 4.5s? Sven Botman is the same. So uh, we'll just have to see how that how that develops over pre-season.
0: Mm. Well, clean sheets feel unlikely at Spurs this year because uh, Postacoglu is a big attacking manager. He doesn't like... Uh, scrimping on his principles either he famously once when asked about if he would defend a bit more he said if a vegetarian's hungry they don't go to mcdonald's uh so yeah um defense is just not a thing for him um so it's the attackers i'm more interested in i, I will just say that the richard thing i am actually still loosely interested in that like it does feel like oh we're at that stage of preseason, blah 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 but from what i can see coglu, if kane does leave um, Richarlison does actually seem like the perfect replacement for him because Postacoglu is, is someone who has sort of done well in the past by t- uh, targeting and identifying a number nine someone to go on the end of everything and finish the dinner a bit like Haaland you know Haaland doesn't touch the ball very much but when the ball comes to him he scores and, and that kind of forward is something that Postacoglu favors I think we've seen Richarlison do that job for Brazil um so we know he can do that you know it doesn't necessarily look like he's having a good game and then oh it's half time and he's got two goals um that is what he's capable of and it is it is actually really odd that he's not been able to do that for spurs i suppose probably it's because he wants to play where kane has been playing and he's not very good on the wing so if all of the right circumstances conspire in the correct direction you know we laugh and we joke but i can still see that working out somehow for fbl especially seven and he's a midfielder too so Could be an exciting uh, out of position asset as well.
1: Yeah, very. And another interesting Spurs player um, is Giovanni Loselso. Oh yes. Um, If he does stay, um, I mean, he scored twice. He scored in both preseason matches so far, and he's a five million midfielder. Um, So he's he's and he's so so cheap, and he's playing in this attacking Spurs side that has great fixtures from game week three. It's one of those, though, where until the transfer deadline has passed, which is a few weeks into the season, I still wouldn't be that confident that he would stay unless unless Trogle says something definitive about it.
0: Um, yeah, and we've only got one more game to go for Spurs. I was just having a look. I mean, I was I was about to push people back to the... Uh, I don't know if you guys know, but we've got a preseason minute spreadsheet. Um, that might have helped us but they've just got Shakhtar Donetsk to come which means that actually really identifying who the key players in all the positions are is going to be really hard because we haven't really seen too much consistency from anyone really because you know they played a second 11 in the second half so Kane and Son didn't even finish this game against you know this this fictional football team um, you know so it's annoying it's kind of annoying to be honest I wish that we had a can they not just arrange a, a last minute friendly against uh, another fictional team I Manchester United, perhaps.
1: The Leicester game was postponed, so could they not just rearrange that? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. maybe in Bangkok last time. So. <laughs> uh, but they, they only had four scheduled, which was bad enough. And, and then one got called up, off, so three. And Spurs, one of the teams that we had, maybe the mo- them and Chelsea, we had so many questions about them. And only three games to get an answer is
0: not ideal yeah it's not great it's not great well thankfully enough their north london rivals who we actually also have lots of questions about they have been playing more games We've been playing more games against high quality opposition and uh we are learning things at the very least uh we saw them lose to man united lost 2-0 but in the early hours of i think yesterday morning um they beat barcelona 5-3 and we had loads going on here we got a penalty which uh, saka took and promptly missed <laughs> just to make that debate even even more exciting and give it another chapter. Uh, we've seen Trossard get two goals. I think Trossard is their top goal scoring in pre-season, which is nuts, because nobody's talking about him. Havertz scored again, so as is, uh, you know, celebrating as much as he did when Bruno Gamalas scored that time because he's still in his team and he's still getting goals. Uh, Erdogan got an assist, Jesus got an assist, and also, let's not forget, it's Barcelona too. So, goals, goals, goals. They They aren't keeping clean sheets too much yet, but they're scoring goals.
1: Yeah, yeah, that exactly. Yeah, Trossard is um, bringing chaos to to decisions, really, because yeah, that's that's his third of pre-season and he started over Martinelli. When he if, he if he keeps doing this, if he scores against Monaco and in the Community Shield after that, then you'd he, start Trossard surely. But then, but then who moves out? So that's kind of not ideal. I think Martinelli owners might be getting this slightly nervous now. Um, But uh, Jesus, yeah, he got an assist, but he's been outshone by the midfielders a bit. And as you say, it was just a mixed bag for Saka because he also, not only did he score, but he provided the cross so that Odegaard could head it to Havertz's goal. So he was involved in those two goals. looked very bright. Saka was given the MVP against the mls all-stars but then he did miss a penalty so yeah is is he i think
0: he missed
1: one last season as well didn't he Was he did final penalty?
0: Mm-hmm. yeah that's right and at the end of the season um talked a little bit about this when i did my team reveal video is that saka is in everybody's teams but i'm starting to sort of get a bit of a kind of like Feeling about him that he's not as essential as everybody says he is, and that the main draw behind getting him is just because everybody else has him. Um, Jesus, for example, had a higher expected goal involvement than Saka between game weeks twenty-seven and thirty-eight from last season, so that's the last twelve matches. Um, he was in line with that, so it's so I guess some people sometimes the the XG naysayers been like, "Oh, I don't care about that. I just want points." Well, Jesus was in line with that, uh, and uh, Saka had lower XGI, overperformed against it. And then sort of had, a, I think it's one fewer attacking return than Jesus. Missed a penalty as well. Um, has missed penalties before. I don't want to go into it too much because as an England fan, I'd, I'd rather not. Um, you know, when you consider that Guard is, is getting involved in in, in things as well. Guard actually also outperformed Saka for large spells of last season as well. Um, and Trossard as well. is The more he... Really, just gets busy in this in this preseason. I'm thinking, hmm, okay, maybe. And now looking at the preseason so far, Arsenal's preseason is is underway. You know, in the very real sense because they've played. um I think it's five matches now: Watford, uh, Nuremberg, MLS All Stars, Man United, and Barcelona. So that's a lot of data that we've got. And Trossard so far is he is officially the most utilised. Like wide midfielder, slash, like inside forward, whatever you want to call that position. He's the one who's had the most minutes out of all of them. Uh, and uh, Martinelli's quite far behind. So Trossard, uh, he uh, played 79 minutes in that most recent game against pretty high quality position uh, opposition. And so finds preseason he's had 253 minutes. That's 56.2% of the minutes for which he has been available for. Uh, whereas Martinelli is much lower, 103 minutes, 22.9%. Of the uh, minutes that he's been available before, uh, available for, so it's helpful that we're having lots of these games. They're asking more questions probably than well. It's a bit like an episode of Lost. We get some answers to some questions, and then we then end up with more questions. the The, the answer is another question, and it just keeps rumbling on. Um, and yeah, where does that leave us? <laughs> it's a tra- it's a tricky place to be, isn't
1: it? Exactly. Luckily, the last match is the Community Shield, which. Um you wouldn't say it's competitive but you'd say it's a step up from a friendly so if they're at Wembley against man city with a trophy on the line that really like we'll see then does Trossard start
0: hmm. although I may have to slight i think you have to say it technically is competitive uh, because there is a trophy at the end of it but yeah <laughs> I know what, what you meant I know what you meant um, sort of like a middle
1: ground between a friendly and a league game
0: yeah it 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 is going to be very useful i think the only other thing I just want to say on Arsenal is when it comes to defence, um, I am starting to sort of like wonder if we get I'm just I'm intrigued by why there is so much obsession with the Arsenal defence outside of the fixtures because they did towards the end of last season get really good at being like a Diet Coke version of Man City where they would concede goals when they it would be like the one chance in the game where they had to do any defending and it went in and you know to concede where they lost two 0 to united conceded three goals to barcelona yes maybe i guess you could say it's barcelona but they got a little bit i'm gonna score one more than you towards the end Mm. of last season um their defenders were a lot more useful at the start of the campaign than the end of the campaign where are you at with the arsenal defense i i I have not had an arsenal defender the whole preseason. i might be the only one in that situation i wonder where you were on that
1: yeah, I've always had one because I was shocked that Gabriel was only five mil. Um he had he scored three goals last season. He had the highest XG of all defenders and he's remained at the same price. And I think his early opponents were notably bad at defending set pieces last year. Um so sort of combine that together and uh it makes him hard to resist. But you're right though, because at home arsenal kept i think it was only four clean sheets they kept at home it was one of yep. the lowest in the league and the reverse of that was they were the best away clean sheets but uh, yeah if it wasn't specifically nottingham forest and who were awful travelers if it wasn't them on the opening day i think people would think very differently so in the same way that we're saying with liverpool you know don't don't transform your team just for that one Bournemouth match Maybe the Arsenal-Forest match is a trap as well?
0: I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being. And then and then we see a lot of people being like, oh, you know, variants this, blah, blah, blah. Um, which, by the way, I have no issue with people making that. I know that's a sore subject sometimes, the word variants. I, I, I just anticipate... This being a situation where I think, as a whole, people maybe overestimated the Arsenal defence a little bit. Uh, looking at some some additional numbers on how they finished the campaign, um, in terms of the last twelve game weeks, um, we had uh, they weren't even in the top nine in the Premier League for clean sheets. Um, West Ham, Liverpool, Wolves, Brentford, City, Brighton, Aston Villa, Man United all kept more clean sheets than them. Um, in the last 15, uh, they, you know, they weren't in the top six at all for goals con- fewest goals conceded. And then perhaps the, the most telling stat, last 12 game weeks, um, I've, I haven't put any of this on the screen, but I'm just reading this off from other research I've done throughout the summer. Um, big chances conceded in the last 12 game weeks and they're sorted by fewest right man city crystal palace newcastle man united aston villa leicester brentford bournemouth Wolves, liverpool all conceded fewer big chances than arsenal who only actually played 12 games and most of those teams i've listed off there played 13 or more because of all the doubles that arsenal didn't have too many of and so that is not a team that is necessarily in a place where they're ready um, to go and churn out clean sheets I actually think Crystal Palace and Aston Villa are in a better place to do that based on how they finish the campaign because they are the teams that are in all these tables performing much higher and they're offering 4.5 to where Gabrielle's 5 million yeah the goal threats there um you know maybe that's going to help you but um yeah I, I don't know I can just potentially see it backfiring on people um I, I just think and when you look at their pre-season matches as well I think that they're going to be winning games by scoring lots of goals rather than necessarily keeping things tight at the back. So that's just where the I see it.
1: The counter-argument is, well, if we think about this, you know how many defences do we actually trust this season? There's that about Arsenal. Man City, as we learned last year, well, I mean, you called them a dying Man City because they were doing the same thing. Yeah, uh, they were conceding. You know, they couldn't be trusted for clean sheets. It was frustrating because even though many underlying stats had them as the best defence. Their clean sheets was not as high as it should have been. Newcastle's defence was totally different near the end of the campaign. Liverpool have always conceded uh Chelsea had a bad year. So, possibly Manchester United might be the only defence that you could trust amongst the big teams. Yeah, Villa, Villa are a shout, but... Um, Yeah, but but we've got to pick some defenders somewhere.
0: Yeah, Yeah, it's true. We've got to to pick somebody. I suppose one last thing we probably should just mention is that they do have Declan Rice now, and that may long-term make their team a bit better. Uh, What we learned last time from the United game was that in the first game where you had Havertz and Odegaard and Rice all playing together, it was a bit disjointed. You would expect that because those three haven't played together before Uh, so you know we can imagine that in time that's going to get ironed out unfortunately they didn't have the opportunity to uh, make some progress on ironing out that setup against Barcelona because Rice couldn't play Um, he uh, I think it sounds precautionary I'll just read the quote so that people are aware so um, uh, Declan had quite a strong kick in training and we didn't want to take the risk he wasn't comfortable to train yesterday and today and we decided uh, not to play him so you know they 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 haven't had the opportunity yet really to bed Declan Rice in yet and in the first game that he did play wasn't amazing so it's worth keeping an eye. but you have mentioned man united and i've mentioned them too so let's talk about them now because really that's what i want to ask you about aaron Wan-Bissaka. right it's the summer of 2018 all over again people are convinced this guy's not going to be involved but here we are we're like four or five games in and he's still the most utilized fullback he's like the joint most utilized defender he's had like 150 more minutes i think it is i don't know if that's exactly right dan dallot it's four point five million. So everybody's saying we can make savings on shore with Anana. We can do it even even more with the Wambasaka, but we do need some more data, right? Where do you stand on him?
1: Yeah, I hadn't really considered him until 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 you did, and I think he's in your drafters, isn't he? He is, so, Yeah. Um, hadn't thought about it really. Yeah, the, those minutes are impressive. Um. I don't know, is, is it short-term, though? Because maybe he starts game week one, maybe he starts game week two, but if if you want to think a bit more medium to long-term of your defence, I still don't know if it, if it can be him. Um, but, yeah, like, if if sacrifices need to be made to afford a second premium, um, there the are worst sacrifices out there. So, yeah, he, he could be a shout. As we say, like, their defence is fairly reliable Um the only question is does he keep the lot out every week
0: yes that's the thing i, I think I'd be, i'm more concerned about season to season uh, uh, game week to game week rotation than i am about who's number one like kind of right now because right now he is just the one who seems to be getting used more so it's 164 minutes uh, for him and then dalot it's uh, about 70 something uh, so i got the numbers a little bit wrong but basically wampasak has been involved in four matches um dalot's been involved in two you did mention at the start of this video that you know teams are starting to shift away from changing teams at half time and changing them after the hour mark and against real madrid Basaka made it to the hour mark and dalot was the 29 uh, got, got 29 minutes as a substitute so like that, that's what i'm looking at um but with all the competitions they've got, and the strength and depth they've got on lots of positions as well, then I can, at the very least, accept the argument that maybe Dalot gets rotated in. I've, if if we can, if we ends up, we've got Dortmund, and then we've got, uh, we've got Bilbao, uh, and then one other game on August 5th as well. If we can get a couple more starts out of wan would you feel more confident having him? Because I, I think the one additional uh, thing about him is that you look at United's fixtures, game week one and three look very tasty at home they're very good at keeping clean sheets at home last season game weeks two and four you got spurs and arsenal do you really want to start Shaw in that game do you even necessarily want to start Anana? well i mean maybe you'd have to because that's what you'd commit to but you know saves nothing more is what you'd expect there wambasaka you can replace him perhaps with a villa or a crystal palace defender and just put him on your bench and slot him back in again so if you had the if you saw wambasaka start maybe the next 2 preseason games would you be more convinced
1: yeah, that, that that could be interesting because Villa have a good game week two, don't they? So you could have a rotation with four five Wembasa, four five Villa, maybe. So it's 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 some, yeah, if he plays the next two, and I mean they've got three friendlies left, but those last two are on alternative days, so you can assume that it's going to be two completely different lineups. Um, yeah, no, if, if uh starts against Dortmund for sure then then he maybe should be under serious consideration for sure Um they only conceded early against Real Madrid really because they were temporarily down to 10 men I think Maynou got hurt and then Bellingham scored over Anana. so did. uh so and then a, a Josseloo bicycle kick obviously <laughs> <laughs> uh, classic so, there's there's a few interest there a few other interesting things in that game as well and and, and Wamba is is one of them yeah good point
0: yeah but a few eyes on on Fernandez he actually played on the wing in this game and Mount in the middle so there's there's all sorts of different things that could happen in midfield this year
1: yeah it was it was kind of that yeah Fernandez was there I think Rashford started up front but. Uh, that match basically just emphasized even more that they need a striker. Um yeah. whether it's Erasmus Hoyland or somebody else. Um I think Ten Hag did float the idea of Sancho being continued as a sort of striker. He sort of he's filled in there as, as an emergency because there's simply no one else, but uh but if they, if they do sign a striker, then then Sancho's back to being a, a backup winger again, isn't he? So and Rashford's seen quite poor. You, you'd also have to think that Fernandez on the right wing is not going to
0: persist because it didn't seem to work as much here. Yeah, he's definitely more useful as, a, as an 8 or a 10, isn't he, than than as a winger. He, he's not bad on yeah. the wing against bad teams, but they are playing Real Madrid. So, yeah, yeah. Um, it's still lots of questions that need answering for united uh, as i said it's not like another episode of lost we've had some questions answered but now we have more so but we've got a couple of uh, episodes left to go before the end of the uh, the preseason. so we should be okay um We've talked about defensive rotation so i'm briefly just going to do a quick crystal palace interlude um not really that much to write home about in their 2-1 home defeat to million million Milanarios. um got there eventually the main thing here for me is about tyrick mitchell who has been in my team for a little while because if we're talking about that rotation with um aston villa you know, Tyrek Mitchell is is someone who can rotate with that. Uh, he got a bit of an injury. Mitchell has a strain in his quad muscle. He felt a sharp pain when he tried to slide in to stop the goal being scored. So that could be a dangerous one for us. It wasn't just
1: Mitchell as well. There was a really nasty tackle on Will Hughes that got, got him injured. Roy Hodgson was fuming about it afterwards. Um, the Colombian champions weren't maybe aware that it was a friendly <laughs> uh, so we'll see how that goes uh, one of the interesting things for me as well was that it was another game another start for the 4.5 million mid ahamada
0: ah, yes.
1: um, and he played all 90 on the right wing but then at the same time it was a lineup that had eze on the bench and the kure and edward on the sidelines and sam johnston wasn't even used so uh I'd love to read something into that selection of ah- Ahamada but uh, when you look around it maybe doesn't say anything but he is he is their most played asset over pre-season and if Elise does miss early weeks he could be he could be used out on the wing and for that price point solid candidate and then Eze came on took the corner that was headed home by jake o'brien so if Eze is taken over all elise's corners as well that just boosts his appeal for the sheffield united opener
0: yeah well actually um mark uh southerns was obviously on the twitter spaces on thursday night uh, we're gonna have that on the channel uh, on youtube channel and podcast platform as well for you to listen to he was also talking about um uh, essay as well Seem- he actually seems very very interested in owning him um and i actually think he's kind of going into the radar a little bit so yeah some interesting things noted there um, and uh, the godfather of FPL also thinking about it too so yeah don't forget about Eze. Let's come back to Aston Villa because we're now moving forward uh, chronologically once again. And now we are in a position to talk about their two win over Fulham. We've got a goal from Diaby. Um, I mean, wow, less than half an hour into his, his, his villain's career. He's already got a goal. There's a lot of excitement about this guy. 6.5 million. So he's in that bracket as well that we're uh, enjoying, uh, uh, you know, making space for in our teams in this preseason. What do you think of, uh, of what you've seen so far? It's early days, of course, but yeah. Still jealous of that signing. Uh... and <laughs> Another another huge
1: coup pulled off by Aston Villa there and um, spent a lot of time sort of researching him for our scout report piece on site and uh, yeah like the night after that went out he scored so soon it was first Villa outing so I was very much quite high on Diaby right now and he does come in at that price point. Um, the same price as Matoma and and Mbumo and Eze uh other guys like Harvey Barnes stuff like that. So he there's an interesting route to him. There should there should be a route to him if he impresses early on. He was used as second striker here and in the same way that Buendia was against Newcastle. Diaby was used as a second striker. So again that's that's a 6.5 mid being used up front. Uh, he could be He could be brilliant, but then the last time Villa signed an attacker from Leverkusen, it was Leon Bailey, so (laughs) it could go either way.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's very true. Well, we've still got plenty of time to see what he does in pre-season, and the fixtures that Villa have got are are nice, actually, because they've got Brentford uh, on July 30th, so Premier League opposition, so a good tester of uh, what they can do. But then Lazio on August 3rd, Valencia on August 5th, um so they they've really done a good job of sorting out a solid preseason there. The only team that they faced in preseason the you would say you could read too much into was uh was Walsall on july fifteenth. That's just a real bit of a local one for them, just down to the Poundland Bescott Stadium's not very far. Um you know, good to keep there touch with the the local clubs for them and but then outside of that newcastle Fulham, brentford lazio valencia so we're going to get a real solid uh, idea in a lot of uh, respects with this villa team just how good they the players who are doing well just how good they really are um you're very interested in the attack i continue to be very boring and i'm interested in their defense and thankfully there was additional piece of information on that in this game as well you know again it's another iteration and that's fine it, you know it's, it's a, I, I want to see which of these iterations is the one that ends up being the one um what we saw most recently was torres and carlos this time as the center backs instead of concert and mings uh but three center backs were in the starting lineup because it was concert who went to uh, right back that meant that luka dina uh, was able to get uh, very far forward there was a bit of asymmetry to it in the in, as we shift towards the latest new vogue formation it very much seems to be back fours that can asymmetrically shift so that one of the fullbacks can bomb on and in this game it looked to be Dina who had the opportunity and of course we talked about at the beginning of this video Moreno possibly out until September Luca Dean's 4.5 Moreno's 5 million. And so if you want a 4.5 million Aston Villa defender, Dina has probably now entered the conversation, uh, especially if Conte is going to play at right back. You know, Matty Cash is guy who's currently in my team. And if, if Conser is going to be involved at right back, so they can do this asymmetrical shift and have a back three, temporarily whilst the left wing back pushes on that that obviously damages matty cash's appeal so again it's another situation where we've seen another iteration uh you know it answers some questions in terms of like we now know a bit more about who's involved and who's in the conversation but at the same time it's almost widened the pool of aston villa defenders uh available in many ways i mean do, do you have any thoughts on villa defense i i need to probably shut up about them at some point i wonder how many other people share my enthusiasm here
1: well, I, I agree in terms of, yeah, like having a 4.5 Villa defender over the long-term um, and the short-term fixtures are good as well. So just in general, having a four-five Villa defender is really highly advised, but it's just which one. And um, when you're saying there that in, in Moreno's absence, it could be Dinia with Concer at right back, is there a chance they could reverse that and have Cash at right back and one of the centre backs at left
0: back, like. But they've got lots of left-footed ones. That's the interesting thing with Torres is that he's left-footed. So is Mings, uh, and then you concert and Carlos are the right-sided ones. And so that could that could happen. You know, if this if the central, uh, if you switch to a situation where the guy who who ends up being in the middle of the three is someone who can play on both feet, which is something that Mings can do and something that Torres can do, but he has a good left foot as well. You know, either one of those could operate as the left-sided centre half. Uh, within that potentially you know um so yeah you make a good point it could happen on the other side yeah
1: um i hate to just and bring more questions into the equation but it's something to consider um you if you had to commit to one you would say well pao torres is the big money sign and who is come from villarreal and is such a key part of i mean t- emery's managed him at villarreal so you know maybe based his defense around him but we just don't know
0: yeah and actually one other thing I should mention actually is that concert possibly picked up a knock at the end and so asymmetrically shifting to his side uh maybe something they're not able to do so do keep an eye out for injury updates on him or at the very least if he is out for a prolonged period then it could just take him out of consideration. So, yeah, keep an eye on those other Villa games. And as we said, the ones that they're playing are against opposition that you have to say that you would expect uh, to get a real sense for the Villa team rather than, you know, playing some team you never heard of and or fictional like the Lions City sailors. Um, Let's talk about Chelsea now uh, because Nicholas Jackson, he's still getting involved. He's still scoring. Uh, He's slowly emerging as as the guy to get from this team in many ways.
1: Yeah, it's, um, speaking to Lewis earlier, we did a FPL reactions, Lewis, we did a hard for the fantasy football community and we were just saying like Jackson versus Nkunku is, it feels a bit like Wilson versus Isak at the end of last season. Like Isak and Nkunku are going to have the minutes, but maybe Wilson slash Jackson are going to get the goals. Um, We don't know. This is the first time that Pochettino started both of them and had them both on together. And that's five attacking returns from 118 minutes for Jackson, which is superb. So, uh, yeah, with Unkunku, you're going to get more secure minutes. But on the flip side of that, he's not always going to be a forward. Jackson may have his minutes limited, but he is purely a forward. So yeah that's that's another one where I really want to see more more of this and get as many questions answered as possible with chelsea
0: we also actually have questions in defense as well which is kind of annoying because we still haven't seen james and chilwell play together yet um we've james came back so that meant gusto came out um we uh, have seen uh, Cucurella involved as well um so yeah we don't really necessarily know how uh, sure of starts any of those fullbacks are yet which i suppose in many ways is a little bit like and i told you so uh because that's pretty much the first thing we identified about pochettino was do you remember all those times that ben davis got substituted in the 59th minute when he was like the guy you needed to own that week so we could be back to that like which actually would be very annoying
1: yeah word well, if, if they if they are reverting back to a 4 man defense the, the, the question is like when we do see james and sherwell start together which one's more attacking because Similarly to what we were saying with Villa, there you, you can't really have them both going up, but that's that's like that's their biggest asset. So, be fascinated to see how that develops between the two of them, which one, which one stays back, which one goes forward. Maybe they alternate. Yeah, potentially.
0: but we also another thing as well. Um some people have been looking to Levi like Colwell 4.5 million I mean I think if he's fit and he's definitely going to be starting games could be a great shout because we do expect this Chelsea team to be better this year and getting a budget uh, way into that defence could be good but wasn't involved in this most recent one according to Pochettino we took, pro- we took precautions with Thiago Silva and Levi Colwell um, and uh, and then we don't have more possibilities to play with Angelo and Lewis Hall because we have three players in the same positions we can't play the ball so that's just one additional thing just to keep an eye on if you were interested in Levi Colwell which you have every right to be he looks like he could potentially be an exciting budget way into this defense just keep an eye on his on his fitness let's uh, round off by talking about brighton and uh, this is quite funny because like we already felt like we had too many brighton players involved uh, in the uh, Debate about who we're going to go for, and lo and behold, there's another guy who I'd never even heard of until I read the scout notes. Who is who is this guy? There's another one, right? So Brentford nil Brighton two, Uh, and we got two goals for Simon Adingra, who who's that? Well, according to the scout notes, he is a positional rival for Matoma. Well, that's just great. (laughs) Thank you, (laughs) Zebby.
1: He also did the same route of going on loan to their Belgian side who's part of the uh, organization whatever Um, just like Matoma did and he's coming over so the story they're trying to repeat the story the last thing we need right now is another <laughs> writing bargain attacking youngster like I just feel the, like the, the, the question is difficult enough and,
0: I just feel like Brenda do you remember her not another one Yes, <laughs> that it's that old woman who just interviewed her on the street. Oh, have you heard? There's another Brighton attacker. Not another one. There's too many Brighton midfielders right now. So yeah, it's just come on. <laughs> it's very
1: annoying. I felt like I was there. The
0: <laughs> oh. I mean, d- does does this impact your your Brighton thinking? That, I suppose that's the question. Like, I mean, I'm not saying for a second you're going to get Simon Adingra. But does it put you off, Matoma? Does it make you think about gross? Because he's probably the one who's got the highest x minutes. All those kind of things. Like, what do you think? It does.
1: It does put me off a bit because, uh, in fairness, I think they were on the pitch briefly together at the same time. So there is, there is a possibility of both of them playing. But you know, the fears about rotation were sort of confirmed by Deserby afterwards. He just put out the worst quote. would want to hear about brighton
0: oh is this the i know the quality of adingra he's a big player for us i think we are building a very strong team with many players in every position on the pitch it's just like thanks mate (laughs) it's like he knows what he's up to doesn't it and then he followed that up
1: by saying yeah like every match you know four competitions we're gonna have to replace quite a lot of players every three or four days it's like no because in fairness it is it's the europe the European action doesn't start for a few weeks. So maybe for a short term, those early weeks, maybe Matoma is fairly nailed. But once uh, once the Europa League starts... Uh... I don't know, there's something to be concerned about there,
0: right? Yeah, oh, I think so. Well, I mean, I think in many ways we we, we, we grandstand and we, and we get all upset and outraged and do impressions of people from famous BBC clips about these people. Um, but actually, um, the fixtures kind of turn anyway. And I'm I think this is just a final confirmation for me, to be honest, that I want to be having my Brighton midfielder as a placeholder for either a Chelsea one or a spurs one because it's the first three game weeks that look best for brighton they're not quite so good after that uh, chelsea and Spurs' first two game weeks don't look great but from game week three they look fantastic um and so all these other names flying in just to help me realize that whoever i go for as my brighton midfielder for the first three or the first two however it goes out um they are not going to be a long-term pick i think that's probably the most actionable conclusion we can draw from that is uh, Let's, let's get involved with some other teams at the same price point or Harvey Barnes for example 6.5 Newcastle fixtures get better drB who you've talked about as well so there's lots of alternatives from these guys and if we can just accurately predict the first two which might not be as difficult as predicting the first six because of Europe maybe we'll be okay
1: yeah maybe but at the same time you, you don't want to have more than one player who you already schedule in to sell like yeah, very if some of the other ones we have mentioned today like you don't want to get to game week three and all of a sudden there's two or three players who you've you've scheduled to sell so it's um it's a tough one with brighton really i guess if you have it's opinion you could just have a a good fourth defender to sort of push that problem down the road a few weeks but with Matoma, if if you have him and and deserve he's already starting to share the minutes out just you just got to hope that you have the transfer to take him out. Um, then there's guys like Jao Pedro, again. This seemed quite impressive. Then they've got so many. They've got him. They've got Ferguson, Welbeck, Undav. Just where do you... I just, I just probably stay away from all of them, really. <laughs> um, Jason Steele,
0: in goal, got an assist. Did you see that? Yeah. Well, he done it again. He, he did it towards the end of last season, didn't he? So, mm-hmm. well done him. Yeah. Yeah, and he did it here as well. And I think, generally, he just played quite well. So, um,
1: one positive to come out of it is that Steele might be establishing himself as, as their league goalkeeper. So, uh, so, that's something to look at. But then they had guys like Estepinian only making cameos. So...
0: Yeah, it's very hard to tell. I mean, uh, I'll just uh, stick the preseason page on the screen because I'm just going to throw everybody to the preseason minute spreadsheet, which uh, is of course very useful. And the current state of play for Brighton isn't as helpful as we'd like it to be because we've only got um, uh, we've got two matches in that at the moment. We've got um, Newcastle and uh, Veikano to come, so maybe we know a little bit more at the current point in time. Jason Steele is top of it with 135 minutes, and so as you say, it would kind of make some sense, wouldn't it, for him to be the league goalkeeper and for Bruggen perhaps to be the European one based on you know what they've done in their career so far um but how much do you read into it if they're not going to play a stupid hand for example that's why you need the pre-season mini spreadsheet a lot of teams uh, that 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 spreadsheet is going to tell you some really solid stories and for others it's you need to keep an eye on it and you need to watch it develop uh, and then when you get to the week leading into gaming one it will be complete it will have reached fruition and you will have more complete stories and yeah fingers crossed we get a little bit more clarification on brighton just for this first two just for the first two so yeah uh, as i said uh, at the beginning if you want uh, access to that of course you need your fantasy football scout uh, membership which uh, if you sign up now you can save up to 30% at preseason prices uh, so don't forget to uh, to do that don't forget to uh, like this video and subscribe to the fantasy football scout youtube channel and hit that bell notification as well so you don't miss a thing uh, in the preseason. but i suppose uh, for you mark uh, you're straight back into the trenches more games to come probably going to do another video like this next week because there's just so many games on the horizon Are you ready for it are you steeled for it uh
1: yeah ready for it uh the cobwebs have have been shaken off now so (laughs) it's gonna sort of instinctive now we just check all the scores at two the live scores at two in the morning (laughs) from chicago or whatever so yeah it's uh bring it on i feel more well you should feel more prepared um for game week one like the more sort of you immerse yourself in preseason, but it just makes it harder it just makes the watch list bigger <laughs> uh yeah but i'm ready
0: well, you're doing you're doing the lord's work for us my friend uh, you and uh, and neil and tom as well because yeah as you say it's a, there's a lot of hard work that goes into it a lot of staying up late or getting up early or whatever it is and of course you are the ones with more choices than anybody else because you can see between the lines you can read between the numbers in the matrix code so uh, yeah thank you very much for doing that work uh, for us but yeah with that i will leave you fine folks to enjoy your rest of your tinkering ahead of game week one and we will see you next time